0: Welcome back to Hill Country Institute Live. This is Larry Schmidt. I'm your host, and I thank you for being with us today. We're focused on creation care, taking care of God's good creation, the biblical command that we're given in Genesis 126. God made his creation, he made us, and he made us responsible for it. So what does it mean to have dominion? What does it mean to care for the poor? What does it mean to care for future generations? That's what we're talking about today. So thank you for listening. And we invite you again to visit our website, HillCountryInstitute.org. We invite you to consider donations if you'd like to support this program or if you'd like to have it on your local radio station in a different area, uh, please call us at 512-680-7993 or donate at the website, HillCountryInstitute.org. And now for the second half of our program. So, Matthew Kim, welcome back to Hill Country Institute Live. Thank you for being our guest today.
1: Oh, yes, of course. Thanks for having me.
0: So, Matthew, we were, we were talking about the impact of uh, pollution, uh, the warming planet, uh, increase in ocean acidity, all the, all the issues that, that we're addressing now. Uh, and we were thinking particularly about how they impact the poor. You know, one thing we, we hadn't talked much about are, are fish stocks and, and, and mollusks in the ocean. You know, have you, have you looked much at those things in your, in your, in your studies?
1: Yeah, I've actually I've watched um, a couple documentaries about things like that because I know like you know of course plankton like phytoplankton where where they're very they're decreasing in numbers because the ocean is like, absorbing that carbon and it's becoming more acidic um, because of this uh, this chemical exchange and it becomes uh, uh, basically it becomes carbonic acid and that's actually dissolving the microscopic sea organisms with these calcium shells. And these organisms, of course, like, they're literally being dissolved. And I think that, that's kind of alarms me, of course, because, like, to have these things, because these are very, like, vital to our planet, because, of course, phytoplankton produces a large amount of oxygen for us. And also just in other places where we have oysters, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Like the oyster, the, the eggs, and the very small oysters, right? They're also, their shells are dissolving. And so they are, not being able to like produce or they're they're just they're not being able to reproduce as effectively and kind of rebuild their population. And I know, um, places like in the New York city Harbor, I mean, there's other reasons why the oyster population has declined there, but I know there's an organization called the uh, billion or- billion oyster. I think the organization or foundation, um, but they are trying to restore the oyster reefs by just literally transplanting oysters and putting them there. Because, I mean, oysters, female oysters, uh, they produce, I think, 25 million eggs over their lifetime. So they're very, very good at, you know, just producing oysters. But I think just we need to give them a chance to reproduce and trying to rebuild. Because the oyster, like, I mean, New York City, like, a long time ago, there used to just be, like, people selling oysters, fresh oysters. But that doesn't happen anymore because they're pretty much, like, they're mostly gone. And so I think trying to restore those habitats is very important. And I just think just the health of the river or the ocean or wherever they are is very important because they also clean the water too. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not sure that was, got into a little science there, but yeah, sure, I, definitely, I definitely thought about that.
0: Yeah. Oysters are, are kind of a natural filter, aren't they? they? They filter water and take out a lot of pollutants. And, uh, but we're, we're facing the same thing with Dungeness crab up in the Northwest, uh, They had to shut the the season down because the Dungeness crab are are not farming their shells well. And uh, I understand in Alaska, they they had to close the cod fishing season early because the fish weren't doing well because of the heat, the the warmer water. So, again, there's interconnection. You get more carbon in the atmosphere, you get more acidity in the ocean, don't you?
1: Yeah, I think because also like with fish migration patterns and something like that because if the temperatures, like, do change, too, like, we're looking at warmer oceans, right? We're looking at the uh, because, of course, the ocean has a bunch of currents that push around and travel everywhere and kind of distribute heat, too. But if we get too hot, those currents could actually slow down or they could actually just stop. And, I'm, like, there's a lot of things that just depend on those currents and a lot of things that just temperature-wise, we need those to kind of keep cool or keep a r- relatively, like, just a reasonable temperature. Mm-hmm. And I think that scary to realize that something as big as the ocean is being affected right now. Because, I mean, ocean currents, right, they're, they're just, like, just saw tons of water that, like, we can't even imagine that are being changed right now.
0: Yeah. Well, the, the, the whole interdependence of life in the ocean is, is built on how the currents have worked, being at certain temperatures— the ocean being at certain acidic levels. And so we're seeing corals are, are having a lot of issues, aren't they?
1: Yeah, I know, especially in places like the Great Barrier Reef, just a lot of life has been like taken out because of coral bleaching. Because, I mean, I don't know if people realize that corals, like they're living animals. They have these things called polyps. And in these polyps, they have, this little, they have algae. So the reason why they're so bright and colorful is because they have this algae in them. But when this algae, when the oceans become too acidic or too warm, or even like just one degree temperature change, like right, this algae um, can either die or like the stresses the coral and they'll release the algae. And then that's, the, that's when corals become completely white because all the algae is left. And if that stays for too long, the coral will die. And so we're seeing all these corals like release their algae, the algae die, and they're just completely turning white. And I mean, like coral is such a like. I mean, it's, I, of course, I think people have seen videos and like National Geographic's of coral reefs. But I think just having such like great wonders of the world just like become wiped out in just a matter of months now. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of shocking, too.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I saw that over half of the corals in the world are either dead or under duress. So uh that's, and that, that's so important for, for ocean life because, I, if I understand correctly, something like 25% of the life in the ocean uh, flows through corals. Either they live there or they flow through there in, in early stages of life. So if we lose corals, we, we really lose incubators and, and, and a lot of the life that we depend on for harvesting fish, don't we?
1: Yeah, I know a lot of the fish that depend on coral reefs, and we're just overfishing the coral reefs as well. And so it's like I think it's just the whole – aspect, because, I mean, it's not all about, like, just the ocean becoming warmer, but it's also about, like, taking too many fish out of the ocean, and, if you know, if we have fishless oceans by, like, 2050,
0: mm-hmm. like,
1: I mean, like, think about, like, what our world would look like and how the ocean would turn into, and so, yeah, things like that are kind of foreboding and a little bit, I don't know, scary when I think about it.
0: Yeah, you know, I love to fish. I've been to Alaska and, and caught Big trout and oh, that's exciting, and caught salmon, but but mostly salmon to me either means something that, that comes on the plate at a restaurant, or you or you get your, you know, you go to the grocery store and it's there, and you take it home and cook it. Uh, it it there's a there's a, a disconnect from the uh, reality of the conditions that the fish are growing in, and the the difficulties with harvest, the difficulties with reproduction. Uh, so we're maybe maybe our world is, is, is more sterile. Uh, you used the term food insecurity earlier. We we don't we don't sense food insecurity as long as there's something at H E B or Whole Foods or wherever we go. Uh, isn't that right?
1: Yeah, I think just that illusion that you know that we have unlimited amount of resources is kind of pointing with us right now. Because I mean, of course, like my grandma loves cooking. You know, like she cooks insane amounts of food that we can't all eat. But you know, when we're thinking about it, right, like. The fishes, like things like tuna, like these big, massive fishes that take a long time to grow. I mean, we have fama, like salmon, we have like, I don't know, there's also like sturgeon, or so like caviar and things like that. When we take like too many of those out of the, the ecosystem, right? Because, I mean, it takes a long time for those fishes to get that big. Yeah. And we're slowly seeing all those good, like the big fish genes being taken out of the ocean, and now only the smaller fish are left there. And so I know, like I also went to Alaska with my dad and my uncle my grandpa actually yeah we caught some salmon but i remember they were telling us that salmon now they're like when we, they catch them they're a lot smaller than they used to be like 20 years ago because they've just been fishing them so much mm-hmm. and i you know that i think that's kind of sad a little bit but i think it's just like like a just reality now and trying to change that because i mean like of course like they the big fish will eventually return but i think it's just like I, like thinking about saying that, oh, you know, there's so much food at H-E-B or something, it's just, I think it's not a, it's it's not actually a good argument because, like, of course, when we think about, because I was talking about food insecurity, right? Because America, the U.S., we have a lot of food, we have a lot of processed food, too, that's just available to us. But mm-hmm. in other countries around the world, right, that may depend on fishing or that may depend on, like, just agriculture, and they get wiped out by, like, a huge, like, monsoon hurricane whatever and all their crop is gone right they don't they can't just go to it and like ask just go to like another grocery store or just right. go somewhere else to buy food right they just don't have food
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so I, could, I think that since the u.s is a first world country we have the option or the ability to get food even though if you don't produce enough because we'll just be able to buy it from others but i think it's just we you're in that spot where the are going to come to the bottom that it's really hard to kind of recover. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: Sure. Yeah, more subsistence living, uh, counting on the crop coming in this year or being able to go out and fish and any anything that uh, damages that, whether it's uh, less productive oceans. You know, one one thing we haven't talked about is the plastic in the ocean and the impact that that's having on sea creatures. Is that something you've uh, thought about?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just crazy how, because I think right now there's more plastic in the ocean than there's fish, So, like, I mean, it's just crazy to think, because, I mean, plastic, the thing about plastic is that, of course, it doesn't go away for for a long time. So it'll be in the ocean by the time I die, by the time my great-grandchildren, you know, are alive and living. Like, that same plastic that I use will be around then. And also the thing about it is, like, with microplastics, because everything now is contaminated with these microplastics. Like, we're just, they are microscopic particles of plastic that are just everywhere. Because, I mean, like, even, like, all the foods we eat, I mean, especially, in, like, the fish, right? They, they're finding bits of plastic just in the stomachs. And I, I think the most, the saddest thing to see is with, like, the seabirds and, ne- and their nests with their, um, I guess, their chicks, their hatchlings, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, just seeing their, like, their chicks dead and then their bodies, when they're decomposing, are filled with plastic, and I think just that aspect of pollution is just really like mind blowing. I mean especially there's also like picture of a whale with its entire stomach full of plastic, um, making it so that it starves to death because it just its stomach is full of plastic. And yeah. yeah, something like that. It's just I personally don't want to like live in a world where like all the fishes are just filled with plastic. Yeah, and I think it's just something to be mindful
0: of. Well, it's very sad. I see pictures of turtles wrapped in plastic, and and there's a, it's it's not just an ocean issue. We all have microplastics in us now from what we eat, and it's heavy in in the rivers. It's heavy in the Great Lakes, and so we we're we're consuming plastic as we eat our food, and so we I don't think we really know what the impact of that will be. But plastic pollution is a is a piece of of, of the problem. Um, and then there's yeah. there's air pollution as well, you know, from uh, transportation that we use, from refineries, from chemical plants, burning coal. All, all these things, uh, put, you know, have an impact on the air that we breathe. How, how have you thought about that?
1: Yeah, actually, I went to a track meet. Um, it was at Houston at St. John's. Um, and I remember, like, after the track meet, like, we were all coughing and, like, our lungs—like, my lungs— Like, here in Austin, I've never had, like, my lungs, like, feel like they were kind of burning. Mm -hmm. But, like, for some reason then, like, when I was, like, the track meet, like, my lungs really hurt after the meet. And I was, like you know, like, why is this? And I thought about it, you know, like, you know what? Because I think there was either some fire that happened at a chemical plant recently. And so the air pollution was a lot higher than normal. And, you know, just experiencing that, and because I didn't realize that, you know, I didn't think much about it until maybe the next day when I was like, wait, everyone's been coughing. Everyone's like lungs hurt. Like there's some, there's something has to be like up with this. And just like, because like of course running, right. You need to like, your lungs, you need your lungs to run, right. You can breathe. Sure. And I think that like realization that, you know, people are experiencing that every day as a normal. Cause like, more, luckily here in Austin, we don't have like the big industrial plants and like flaring and all of that happening maybe in the, like in east texas or along the, um in west texas and i i just realized that you know air pollution because also like i don't want because of course my grandparents like we love them i love them and, but i just think like they're getting to more fragile states and i don't want their health to be affected by heavy air pollution and just just things in the air because i know like Right, Actually, this was my grandpa. I was gardening with him one day. He came to my house, right? It was in the morning. And so we were working throughout the day. And this day, I don't know, like, how unlucky we were, but we, it happened to be a 107-degree day that day. Ouch. And, like, I remember he came, and, like, after, like, an hour or two, like, he just collapsed because he was getting, like, heat stroke. Or not heat stroke, but it was just so hot that, like, he fainted. And right, I had to drag him in the house or carry him in the house. And, like, we took him to the ER, right, to the hospital. But th- that's when I fully realized that, you know, like, this is really impacting my family now. Even though, like, of course, like, I I don't think, like, we're going to, like, we've never had, I've never had, like, an experience where, like, someone just fainted because of the heat. But because, like, with my friends, right, we run cross-country, and so we're used to kind of running in the heat, and so, like, I have a higher heat tolerance. But with my grandpa. Right, he just collapsed in front of me, and that was really scary. Sure. And, you know, now I, cause I, can, I, I feel like, I mean, of course, that's, he, uh, he's okay now, right? It was just a little, he, he really wants, as soon as, like, an hour afterward, like, he was in the ER, he was like, I want to go home. But yeah. uh, I just think that experience kind of opened my eyes to see, like, you know, I, I need personal. to take care. Yeah. Well, it's personal, and I think it's just, like, and now I can feel like I can relate to people who, like are living in another country and maybe have something else going on Mm -hmm. and their grandparent like faints, but they don't have like the resources to take to the emergency room or put them inside an air conditioned house. And, you know, I think if I, if we didn't have those options with us, like, I'm not sure like he would be around today and that kind of, that really does scare me. And so that's kind of why really kind of, that kind of issue, I, I really care about it. Most like particularly with like air pollution and just like, Heat, sure. like just higher temperatures and things like
0: that yeah and that's and that like you said we, we had over 50 days last year of 100 degree plus weather here in austin well you know you're 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 involved matthew you 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 talk in settings you you're 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 an invited guest you're a leader in your school and other places uh tell me tell me about some of the activities tell me about some of the programs you'd like to see some of the policy just what would what are you doing, and what would you like to see happen?
1: Well, first of all, I i mean, although this is, like, of course, controversial in Texas, but I'd like to see the Texas government take a little bit of responsibility for the health issue that, you know, fracking and, you know, drilling for oil causes to the general public. Because I think, like, of course, you know, right, I understand, like, there's a lot of people whose jobs are really, like, tie into the oil industry. And I respect them, right? I respect them, of course, because, you know, and like America was industrialized with like fossil fuels, right? We grew with fossil fuels and it helped our economy. But I think it's just right now, I think it's a time to switch to renewable energy because, of course, like, right, I have to acknowledge that, like, coal, oil, that helps us get from, like, 1900s to now, right? But I just think that right now, we need to prioritize our future and we need to prioritize like the future of like the kids of our kids of our kids, you know, on Mm -hmm. non future generations. Mm -hmm. And I think it's selfish to think that, um, to try and make money off of something that we know is going to affect people like a couple, like a hundred years from now, because of course, like the global warming, right? It doesn't just immediately stop after we stop polluting. It's going to continue on for a very long time. And the more we do it, like, exponentially, like, the effect increases, increases exponentially. And so I hope the Texas government, like, first of all, takes responsibility for, like, just to protect the people, first of all. And then I think also to recognize that, you know, we're trying to protect, like, God's creation. And I think that we need to look at everything through the eyes, like, through, like, a godly lens and think, you know, would this like be in line with like the teachings of the Bible, right? Mm-hmm. Are we, you know, are we caring for our neighbors? Are we loving people? Are we like trying to help the poor out, right? Because I think just for me, the poor is really important. And you know, I think just when you think about the just the aspects of drilling, like creating pipelines through communities, through um, the environment, through forests. And protected ecosystems. I think it's just unfair to say that we are we, we can control you, and you can't do anything about it. And just allowing that to happen. And I mean, I so I guess that was a little bit long explanation, but I think just like for, for like a short, I think I want the Texas government to first like try like uh, what's it called like um like promise to switch to renewable energies in the future or at least make their best effort to ensure that we're going to reduce our, uh, like our greenhouse gas emissions Mm -hmm. and also to protect the health and the air quality, the water quality that has been, uh, that has been like, like that has been destroyed by these industries. Because of course, like I think that the best way to just like to solve, because of course like we could forgive. Right. But I hope that, because of course, I will always forgive like the government and the people because I know that there is good intention that every, there is good in everybody. But I just hope that they, first of all, like apologize to the people, but not only apologize, but do more to try and rebuild the air and the health, and just you know take, or just and like just take responsibility for people who have had to go to the emergency room or having to have serious health because I mean asthma is just higher in communities that are near. Um, like flaring or chemical plants and mm-hmm. i think that yeah something like that is i'd like to
0: see yeah certainly well you know there there's some encouragement i mean we 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 are the largest producer in texas of uh, wind generated power and the state uh our or grid made a, a substantial investment i, I, I think like four and a half billion dollars to put in the power lines to bring the wind power from west texas where it where it's often produced into the into the major cities and in, into the grid so that that's an encouraging action isn't it
1: yeah so i think it's just that the immediacy of the climate issue is like we basically i mean the un has given us approx or oh, the un un panel um, intergovernmental panel on climate change they've given us approximately like 12 11 10 years to reduce our fossil fuel emissions or greenhouse gas emissions by half in order to try and prevent the two degrees Celsius increase, average increase. So this is just average because of course it could be a lot more. Average increase in temperature. So we can try and salvage, kind of triage what we have created. And I think just that of course every action, no matter how small, I think is good. But it's just we need so much more like mobilization and so much more like change that to in order to save ourselves and i i like i i understand like of course like every little thing we do is good but i just i think that's what most of the activists are kind of saying and of course maybe people might think of it as rude or might be as like you know like that they're they're an other or like we don't like them because they're too loud or something like that but i think there's some some like they're the reason why they're so loud and so they're like you know so insistent is because we don't have much time. And I think anybody who sees like a time like a like a time bomb is going to start getting anxious once the clock starts winding down. And I think that's what other people are thinking about.
0: Yeah, and we're yeah. we're, and we're yeah. seeing it's not it's not just the greenhouse gases now, it's the secondary uh, effects, the permafrost melts that, that releases more gas. Uh, glaciers melt. That means we don't get as much of a reflection of the heat that would have been there. So so there's again that that interconnectedness idea that we talked about. Every everything uh, you touch one thing, it touches everything else. And so we we need to take the action that we can because we've set something in motion. And so how can we begin to unwind that? And at the same time, like with the wind energy, you know, be able to to sustain life as we know it and have the energy that we need so uh, is there any, anything else you'd like to, to add to that Matthew
1: yeah well I guess I like to go back to pretty much like what my grandma always says because she always says like help the poor because of course like uh, my family right I we're from South Korea originally I was born in the US but like they, my grandma remembers because she grew up in a very different world than I grown up in because of course she grew up in Korea in the 1930s and 40s, right? I mean, by, at that time, it was Japan, but um, or owned, by, like, controlled by Japan, but, I mean, just the the story she tells me of, like, what she did as a kid, right, because she lived on, uh, she was on an island, and she grew up on an island, so she loved seafood, right? But oh, yeah. she, I mean, just the, the, the different reality of today and then, and the stories, and also, like, because she, of course, did not grow up wealthy, right? Korea was not... A wealthy country as it is today Um, and so she she knows she always tells me like to always like fight for the poor and fight because I mean she thinks that that's the that's the way to like worship God is to help um, the people who he said you should love the most yeah and I think that's that kind of attitude I think would open anyone's my eyes to seeing like the problems with our climate today because of course I I just think it's hard to, um, not to, hard to turn like a blind eye to people starving or people suffering or people dying because of higher temperatures or because of polluted air. Yes. And so I think just to, just to emphasize that yes. is really important to me.
0: Matthew, I think that's a, that's a, that's a good place to end, that we, we need to think of creation care in terms of taking care of the poor and for future generations. As you said, uh, the sons of the sons, the children of the children of the children, we need to be thinking about the future generations. We need to be thinking about how we care for those who are the least among us. So, Matthew, thank you for your time. I really appreciate you being with us here on Hill Country Institute Live, and uh, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us for Hill Country Institute Live today. Please consider a gift to support the radio program and other ministries of the Hill Country Institute. We also invite you to visit our online resources at hillcountryinstitute.org and to like us on Facebook. The radio programs are available as podcasts at Hill Country Institute Live on your podcast app. Thank you again for being with us, and we encourage you to share the love and mind of Christ wherever He calls you.